Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Dr. Miriam Zilberglate, who is triple board certified in internal medicine, geriatrics, and obesity medicine, certified as a mental health ally and fellow of the American College of Physicians, who was selected to be part of the National Wellness and Professional Fulfillment Committee. Dr. Z is also currently completing a fellowship with the Creators Institute at Georgetown University while writing her first book about well-being and growth. She is married, has two wonderful little boys, and credits her family for their support and for helping her integrate her personal and professional life. We have so much to talk about today, Dr. Z. So let's get right into this and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Summer. (laughs) Absolutely. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here with me today. So before we jump into your professional background, because there's so much to talk about there, let's get into a bit about your personal journey, such as maybe where you grew up and what were some of the life lessons that helped you get where you are at today? So I am originally from Peru, and I know that my last name will not (laughs) uh, show it. Uh, I am a Latin girl. Uh, I came to this country just 11 years ago after practicing medicine for a decade in Peru. And the reason why I came is actually following the love of my life. So uh, after dating back and forth my Almi Lima, uh, I decided to accept the proposition of getting married. And <laughs> I, I stayed here and I started from zero again. And that may be kind of connected to one of my biggest lessons in life, right? And, and why I, I am who I am. Um, I remember sitting in my office in Peru and seeing this old couple, beautiful couple of patients. They, they knew me for 10 years already. And I will see them again and again in the clinic. They will come holding hands uh, and they were together already for around 60 years. And every time that they will visit me, they will ask me uh, if I was dating someone and the answer will be always no. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to work, I have to study, I have things to do. Uh, The last time that I saw them, actually, they asked me again, I gave the same answer and they gave me one of the most important lessons of my life. They asked me, who is waiting for you at home? Because... We are your patients, we love you, but we have family waiting for us. Your medical students, your residents are going back to their families. Your staff, exactly the same. So who will wait for you when you will be sick or you will be lonely or you will need a hug? And then they said the white coat is what you use. It's not your skin. Oh. And yes. 
And I believe that was a very important lesson, right? To recognize mm. that we are more than our jobs, our, our careers or our certificates. And that what we do for a living is not necessarily who we are as, as human beings and that we need to create this separation. Yeah. You know, isn't that interesting, Dr. Z, because a lot of times we work so hard and we end up working so much that we define ourselves by what we do. And yet we have more purpose than that. Totally. Uh, I believe that we can forget about the reason why we are doing what we are doing. We get so involved uh, that suddenly our purpose is get so confused. Um, and the other thing is that being so focused on, you know, a goal that we established when we were 20 makes absolutely no sense. It's like, it's kind of staying in the same place for the rest of your life. You need to grow. And part of growing is reassessing your priorities, reassessing your goals, and, and try to make them fit with your new reality and your new you. Yeah. And that change. I am not the same that I was at 20, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to reassess ourselves and reassess our goals and purpose uh, you know, I don't know, every five years, every three years, depending, yeah. <laughs> depending on what happens in life. <laughs> I love that. I think we forget because we are so focused on, we need to go this direction, that direction, or this direction. And, and we have goals and we're goal oriented and we're high achievers. Cause I know by your bio, you are <laughs> a high achiever, but sometimes we have to take a step back to gain some clarity. Number one. And number two, Sometimes being a nonlinear thinker is okay. Sometimes not having those set goals is okay, but we feel so uncomfortable doing it because maybe that's what we've been conditioned to do all along is goal, goal, goal. But what does it feel like to not have those goals? What does it feel like to just be? Yes, um, and, and yes, I'm not sure if I am really super achiever. I mean, my, my, my CV shows that uh, in some way, uh, but I believe that I am a very, um, how I say this, a stressed person that needs to be busy, which <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the same. <laughs> One is the symptom and the other is the disease. Uh, I have a good friend of mine, uh, which is a pediatrician. Uh, she got very involved in um, coaching and mindfulness and etc. And she told me once, it's like, you are probably doing, doing, doing uh, as a way to calm down, right? You, you, don't, you don't use your time to be. It's time for you to be. And yeah. when you will be you know, yourself and you will be, you will be able to be present and enjoy other things that you are missing in life. And I believe that, yes, my CV shows uh, that I achieve a lot of things, but I, I missed a lot of things too. And there are things that you can not recover in life, right? The, the party or the wedding that you miss, the person that was sick and you didn't visit and now it's gone. Um, yeah. A hug from your kids, the first time that they went for a vaccine or, or for a cleaning, you know, with the dentist. Mm -hmm. and, and you say, okay, I, I miss it. Um, nothing to do about that. So we mm -hmm. need to think about our priorities before we miss the opportunity, right? And, and sometimes it's hard. It's, it's yeah. difficult. 
It is hard. And I think there are multiple factors that play a part in why we do what we do, right? And it can be conditioning, but it also can be our, our life at the time. And if we're surviving versus thriving, Uh if we are working so fast to omit other things that we have to confront. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why we do what we do. We might not just be aware of them at the time. And some of this wisdom is gained through experience. So there's a balance, right? Between what we're going to do is what we're going to do. But at the same time, if we can be reflective about, hey, maybe it's time to take a step back. Maybe it's time to gain some of that objectivity that we need because we need to remember what was the reason we started this in the first place. And so let's get on to the second question because there's so many here. There's so much here. You have this such a rich life. So let's get into this. It's you are a three-time board certified physician. Tell us about your medical school experience, because this has always been so interesting to me. What was it like for you? And are there factors that may have made your experience different than others? Uh, So I went to to medical school in Peru Uh and I did my specialty there and I worked for 10 years there as a physician and I was an academic physician, always with residents and students doing research. So when I came here and I had to start from zero around my 40s, not having a good English, (laughs) a very poor English, let's say, was very interesting And, and majority of People will think that it was difficult, and I will say that it was awesome. And for a couple of reasons. Number one, that I had already the experience. So what I was doing is it was upgrading my knowledge and also learning a new system. So I was not so worried about, okay, what's the diagnosis? But I was more worried about the quality of care that I was providing, that I was following the appropriate rules and et cetera. So it was a different vision of medicine per se. But the other part of it, and, and I believe that is the part that makes it so special, is that I was pregnant twice during this time, right? So during my internship first and then during my fellowship. So I was going around the hospital with this big belly, like a penguin, um, with a big smile on my face. And and the reason why I was so happy, even I was so busy, I sometimes 30 hours call, I never felt alone. I cannot explain that. Probably uh, any mother here uh, hearing us will, will understand that feeling of, you know, having someone inside of you all the time, you are not alone anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so what such a, I don't know, beautiful Aww. experience. I was rounding and I will feel the movements, right? And wow. um, so it was, a, it was a beautiful experience. I, I have no regrets about that. Actually, I, I, I felt that that made it amazing. And I was able to graduate from my residency with one of my boys in the hand, like I was hiding him, uh-huh. and the other one was in my belly. Wow. <laughs> so that's how I received my diploma. Uh, and I changed my last name for the diploma, so I have adopted the last, na- last name of my husband. So I graduate as a family because the truth is that I am who I am right now because my husband was changing diapers and supporting me and cleaning my tears when I was scared or tired and, and being a, a great father and a great husband. So this was a family achievement. 
Wow. That is such a beautiful reframe and such a great disposition in relation to starting from the beginning and where you were and what that looked like for you. So thank you for that. I just love your experience and your explanation of that. So why these specific areas of medicine? What drew you to them? Well, internal medicine is kind of an obligation, if you want to call it like that, especially in this country, you need to go to internal medicine to get to certain specialties or super specialties. Uh, so probably that that's number one reason. Uh, I realized that I love it later. I wanted to be a geriatrician. Uh, why? Because my grandma had dementia and she was living with us till the last day and my grandma Rosa, Bobe Rosa, she was my best friend ever. She was mm-hmm. spectacular. And I don't know, I, I, I believe that she was my inspiration for, for being a geriatrician. I discovered that I love internal medicine when I started working in a primary care clinic and I had a lot of young people. And the magic about that was that with elderly, I was offering quality of life. And giving this holistic approach where the social and emotional aspect was so important. And when I, in retrospective, I started using the same tools in young people, internal medicine became magical. Mm. Why? Because I was helping individuals. I was helping human beings. I was caring about how they feel, not only about their blood pressure and etc. I was uh, educating them for the future. I was doing real prevention mm. and seeing the long-term effect was amazing because in one side you are seeing already the results of what happens if things go wrong. All right. In young people, you can make that difference. You can really, it's like you have 40 years, 50 years ahead of you that you can transform if you educate your patient, if you create a nice, positive relationship with your patient. So both sides are amazing. And obesity, obesity at the end is so common today. Um, And and it's so important, right? It's a public health problem from in my mind uh, in young or elderly population but even more is a disease or a condition that involves social and emotional aspects as much as a physical aspect so for me it was so natural that if I am coaching my patients to have better quality of life or to uh, be healthier right Uh, and achieve well-being I was unable to skip the obesity part. So I just decided to learn more and and, and do it in the right way, not just an empirical way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And bringing all those frames of thought, the social, emotional, physical, all of that is so valuable to the clients, to the patient, because then you're not overlooking something that might be really trying for them, which might help their situation in relation to bringing down that weight or using a certain modality that will help them more effectively. So I love the whole idea of prevention too. So thank you so much for the answer to that question. The next question I have is tell us more about the Creators Institute at Georgetown University 
and how this is supporting your goal of writing your book. I'm excited to hear about this. Oh my gosh, I'm excited about that too. So I was in a period of my life where I was trying to transform myself and find a better version of myself. I quit my job. I decided to go for something that will be more appropriate for my reality, that will allow me to be more with my kids, that will fit my my needs as as a daughter and provide me with well-being. And simultaneously, I randomly find a comment in LinkedIn uh, about someone that was publishing a book and she mentions this Creators Institute. I click randomly and I am transported to a website and I read this and it was so wonderful that I was like, this is an scam for sure. (laughs) I review it again and again and my imposter syndrome told me you have a very bad accent, your grammar is terrible and you cannot write a book. And then I convinced my imposter syndrome that I may give it a try. So I apply. And what I found was a new life. It was amazing. I met amazing people, uh, people that had something to say with no necessary experience in writing or some of them, like in my case, they were used to do academic writing, not necessarily a book. Um, People around the world, different ages from the 20s to the um, 80-somethings. And we all are sharing this idea that we want to do something positive for others. Uh, We have an extraordinary mentor, which is Eric Hoster, who created this for Georgetown and then replicated it as a, as a creator institute. And they coach us through the process. They give us classes. Uh, they give us um, editors. And, and really, we, wow. we are writing books, uh, which in my personal case has been uh, a journey to really learn about myself, to meet other people, to... I don't know, to have some introspection and to heal myself too, because I have been, you know, dealing with all the stress the majority of us have been going through during COVID and especially healthcare workers and and other caregivers in general. So it has been a beautiful journey. Uh, And I am am excited. I am just waiting for the book to be out. (laughs) Yes. When does it come out? Tell us more. So the pre-sale of the book will start at the end of July, first week of August, uh, which is now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and what's it called? What's it called? What's it called? So the working name of the book is The Trigy Cycle, uh, Achieving Joy, Well-Being, and Fulfillment in Life. Uh, the idea of this book is to kind of change the paradigm about life and Assume that life is not linear, but just a sequence of cycles, like a video game where you need to finish one cycle so you can go to the other. Uh, So we don't feel that we fail. It's just we didn't do it right the first time, which Mm -hmm. is a different (laughs) sensation. And the other thing is that uh, these cycles are all similar in some ways. And you were talking about goals, and that's exactly the first part of this cycle, the G of goal, that could be your dreams, that could be something that the society, you know, forces you to do, you have to go yeah. to college and finish, uh, or get married or something like that. And then 
how you go through the cycle is held by the second G, which is grit. You need this fuel, this energy, this motivation, something that keeps you going, right? And, and that's the second G. The third G, you will think, okay, well, if I start with goal, I need to achieve my goal. But I thought, well, not always you achieve your goal. Sometimes you really, you know, you change your mind, things doesn't go in the right direction, something happens. So, but what happens every time that you go through a cycle? At least in my case, I grow, I learn something new, right. I develop a new skill. And so that's the three G's, goal, greed, grow. And the catalysts that I added are parts of reality, right? So we could have positive catalysts, uh, maybe having money, maybe having good family that supports you, maybe being very smart or having emotional intelligence and self-awareness. But you could have negative catalysts, uh, which are not negative per se, but are the ones that will complicate your life a little and will create challenges in front of you. Like, for example, being a minority, having a mental disease, uh, having a disability, imposter syndrome, fear. Yeah. Uh, and I don't call them negative per se because I believe that they are positive in many ways because they are the ones that push you to the edge and, and, and help you to, to, to be creative, to try your best and to really grow and to really develop new skills. Mm-hmm. So the book has each chapter represents the catalyst and the parts of the cycle. And I have been so lucky that I was able to interview different experts in mm-hmm. the areas of the, of grow and achievement and, and, you know, fear and et cetera. And also amazing people that went through situations that challenged them mm-hmm. and they were able to grow. People that survived cancer, people that lost uh, a kid when he was young and now they create a foundation that they are helping others, people that donate a kidney to someone, you know, randomly um, because of an act of kindness. Uh, So I have 32 plus one extra that is very special. That is my, my, my boy, Ellie. And and the 34 will be my little one. That is Ari that are part also of the book that uh, they share some of their stories. So 34 amazing individuals part of the book. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that. So you really, I love the focus on what I like to call phenomenology, right? Somebody's lived experience. And so you got 34 lived experiences that are going to be part of this book. You've got what I love to call that innate, you're, you know, really putting in that innate and learned resiliency, those challenges, which I love to call missteps, right? Yes. Missteps are some of our best teachers, right? And they help us evolve and they help us get through things. And it may not feel great at the time, but when you look back on it, you think, wow, some of my best lessons were learned through those challenges or those missteps. So I love what you're creating here. I love the whole concept. I'm going to drop this into the notes when we're finished here, because I'm so excited about this book. And when it comes out, please let us all know, because I want to share, share, share this. So My next question is, you credit your family for helping you create balance to integrate your professional and personal path. Tell us more. 
I am not very happy always about what my family does, just to clarify. I mean, it's not that I respond with a happy smile and I take it right all the time. As a disclosure, uh, I don't want to lie. (laughs) Uh, But I have to say, for example, my husband prohibited me uh, the last holiday, the last weekend, uh, to touch my book. Uh, for three days, I was not allowed to do anything with my book. And he was watching me if I get into LinkedIn and will be like, no, 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 not allowed. You have to, you have to rest. He was helping you set boundaries. Yes, which I, I really don't have. Uh, something that I need to learn, uh, trying at least to do. So, uh, that's kind of a way, not very comfortable, but it's a, it's a good way. After the three days, my husband asked me, how do you feel? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised that I feel amazing. <laughs> so yeah. that's one way. Uh, the other way is my little one, Ari, he's six. And when I am really uh, connected to the phone and I am one of the chips of my phone, uh, because that's what happens sometimes, he will come and ask me, so mommy, why did you bring me to the world uh, if, if you have already a phone? Looks like you don't need me. And oh. he will break my heart. And it will be a great reminder that, I mean, I need some balance now. Mm. Uh, painful super painful and that's what I was saying I not necessarily enjoy the way that is not but it's fair and with Ellie which is the eight years old he comes to me and and, and he hugs me and and, and he says mom you need to relax (laughs) you need to relax and you need to rest and it's another reminder and I believe that the worst reminder and the best reminder at the same time, but the most painful one was when I went to visit my mom recently after two years of not seeing her because of COVID. I was connected even two, three times per day by, you know, by by the phone and, and watching, uh, like, you know, sharing videos and et cetera. But I didn't realize how um, deep was her condition. And, and when I went to visit her, she didn't recognize me. Oh, and because wow. she had developed like you know that her dementia advanced uh significantly and that was a big reminder also of priorities in life what did I miss and I will not be able to go back on that one wow well thank you for sharing all of those experiences that really helped you integrate both that personal and professional path for yourself and yes not everything always feels good, but it certainly is something that sheds a light on some of the things that we may need to change or modify to yes. pay attention to the now. So thank you for sharing that because I think that's so important for all of us to hear. Yes. And don't wait for, you know, tell my story and, and to be like me on this one. I hope uh, you guys can use my own experience uh, and take a, a few minutes for self-awareness or introspection and avoid things like this to happen. Even with all the love that I have for my family, my kids and etc., I have been missing things and opportunities because I thought that my job was so important. And yes, my job is so important, but my family is too. And, and we need to really give ourselves permission to to be human beings to be 
you know, part of a family, uh, not only part of a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for some of us, it's very difficult. I, I, I agree, but don't wait to feel too late because then it's too late, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it is such a valid point that you make that our jobs do hold value, right? And as a medical practitioner, a lot of times you can feel guilt because you have such a big responsibility because you're helping community. It has a lot of value. It, it has a lot of importance to yourself as well as to those people that are, are sick and need your support. And yet the value is as well, your family. And so everything that you do has value and importance. It's just a matter of how do you take time for yourself and your family as well? And what does that look like? And I guess we each have our own process. And what I'm hearing too here is figure out your process, figure out your process, because what might work for Dr. Z might not work for me, but we each can figure out what does work. And that's what's important. And that's what I think is going to be so valuable about your book is helping people with their process. Yes, because what happens in the book is that I I have been sharing stories that doesn't necessarily represent me or yeah. didn't represent me. And now I feel like, oh my God, this looks like a great idea. Uh, so it's different ways to do things because as you're saying, Summer, we are different, right? For cultural yeah. reasons, for gender, for age, so many reasons. Right. Uh, so you, there's not the perfect recipe for this. Do your best in the way that is convenient for you and that fits your priorities, your, your cultural background, your values, whatever it is. Uh, but do it. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. regret is not something fun to deal with. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's what all those phenomenological stories will lend to is giving you a broader perspective or the reader, a broader perspective of, I can pull from that. I can pull from that. That might work for me or give people ideas. And sometimes it's just that first step that matters. That first idea going, aha, that might work. And so I think your book is going to resonate with so many people. So I cannot wait till it comes out. So I'm so excited for you. (laughs) So as we come to the close of the interview, my last question for you is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? Um, I will use something that I learned from my kid that in some ways is a symbol of my book and I have become a big part of my life and my goal in life. I came home one day very tired and he asked me to play with him and I kind of, I say yes, but I was not very excited. Uh, he asked me, do you want to play Legos or cars? And I was like, whatever. And he's like, no, mommy, you have to choose. And I was like, whatever you want, I'm okay. And he stopped me and uh, he told me, mom, no, this is your life. This is your choice. This is your journey. Mm. And this is so deep in so many ways. Uh, and I interpret this phrase in, in a way where I am not a victim of the circumstances. I can select what I want. I can stay if I want to stay. I can go if I want to go. I can look for those things that represent me. I can escape from those things that 
are not good for me. And that is my responsibility to take those decisions because this is my life. This is my choice. And this is my journey. Absolutely. I love those words of wisdom. And thank you, Dr. Z for joining me on the core women podcast today. Thank you so much. And if you have one extra minute, I would like to share something extra. Uh, the pre-sale of the book will be to collect the money, uh, not only for the book per se, but truly is to donate the money to a project. One of my interviews was uh, for a lady that I mentioned that lost her son by suicide. She created a program to educate on resilience and suicide prevention in the schools to prevent suicide in kids. Uh, so if you want to support her uh, and support me, I will love that. And I will be very grateful because I, I believe that this book is for the individual that will read it. And I will be happy for that. But I will be also happy to translate this also in a real effect, you know, to protect kids and to provide kids with, with the life and, and, and the resources that they need. Thank you so much. Again, I so appreciate that last comment. So I will definitely put your information down, the book down. And also, if you want to follow Dr. Miriam, follow her on LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a Core Women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.